and welcome to IOB Europe's podcast, Digital Dawn, the podcast that brings insights and learnings from the digital advertising and marketing industry to light, to spark new ideas into existence and help our industry to thrive. In this episode, our Marketing and Insights Director, Marie-Claire Buffett, dives into retail media in Europe with Rita Harnett, Global Head of DTC and Social Commerce at Wavemaker. They share insights into how retail media is enabling and advancing full funnel marketing and how this is changing media buying as we know it. So whatever you're tuning in today, we hope that you learn something new about the wonderful growing world of retail media. So welcome everyone to um, our Digital Dawn podcast. Um, My name is Marie-Claire Puffett and I'm the Marketing and Insights Director here at IB Europe and um, I look after our retail media workstream and I am very pleased to be joined today by Rita Harnett um, who is Global Head of DTC and Social Commerce at Wavemaker. So welcome Rita. Thank you very much for having me. Of course and um, we like to always start this podcast with asking our guests um, what has been your peak of the week i.e your highlight of the week um, and that can be either personally or professionally. Well, I've been really fortunate um, because I went to Cannes last week. And so whilst that doesn't necessarily fall into this week, I have to mention it. Um, And so I was lucky enough to have been invited to do a panel with TikTok, um, which was a really great fun because it was all about um, entertainment commerce. uh, And it was it was highly oversubscribed so there were masses of people in the room and um it was really exciting because the i was doing it with somebody from l'oreal and we were really riffing off each other it was really good fun so i have to say that is my highlight of the last seven days perfect that sounds great fun i've heard lots of good things about can um and uh, it's nice to, nice to hear that um so what what actually is entertainment commerce do you think so it's when, so, and I'm, I'm, it's funny because I do refer to this, um, I, you know, uh, um, in, in my way, it's about the fact that, you know, I've been, I've been in e-commerce for a really long time and, uh, you know, pretty much it's been all about just having a list of catalog, you know, a catalog sort of presence from brands on, on, the, you know, the website. So yeah. when, when, what, what, you know, from my perspective, when, uh, COVID hit, there were a lot of brands that wanted to launch their own commerce experience, whether it was through retailers or whether it was through their own websites. And pretty much they were following that whole catalog process or that, you know, that setup. But the thing is that they weren't bringing to life their branding. And so for a lot of people who were not necessarily that comfortable or, um, experienced at shopping online they they would feel quite flat and so it's about layering on that extra piece of content or you know communication from somebody that you know quite well or follow you know through social media um that will then lead to that that um commerce outcome i guess so you know if it's like a, a video from somebody saying oh look at this it's such a brilliant thing um and then that leads through to um you know the, the the actual product and that just gives the consumer a bit more information about the product which is more than a picture and think, a bit of copy yeah and i think now you've described it i know exactly what you mean and i think as a consumer thinking of from a consumer perspective i actually look for that content all the time on products yeah before I, before I 
want to buy something I really want to know you know more about it is it good what do people think so I think that's 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 really good yeah I mean I um, think definitely that's that's you know that's becoming more and more the case that people are looking for that um so it's definitely something I would recommend great okay cool so um before we dive into the podcast and, and the main topics um it'd just be good to get a bit more of an insight into your role um at WaveMaker as the global head of DTC and social commerce um and how is it that you got to kind of where you are now um is there anything you've learned along the way that you'd like to share um yeah, yeah any insight really yeah so so it's um yeah so I I came to WaveMaker just under five years ago, actually. And uh, my role there is to support clients with sort of driving their, their e-commerce maturity, whether it's on Amazon, um, e-retailers or D2C or social commerce. And so, so what's, um, I guess the thing, the kind of things that we would do is to like help, you know, identify what you know, what, what, what their presence is like. So auditing their presence on the, on the retailers, uh, and then identifying what they could do to improve their position better to really elevate them, uh, to beat the competition effectively. So, so, and also to drive more sales, obviously, fundamentally, that's what they're <laughs> there to do. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's, that's essentially, well, or part of what I do at, at WaveMaker. I started out in retail proper. Uh, so I worked at Arcadia Group as a merchandiser and then moved into e-commerce when it sort of started out. So I'm now going to show my age. Uh, and that was, you know, in the late 2000s when when brands were really sort of starting to develop e-commerce websites. And I was lucky enough to be able to start up or work in, work in starting up the website. Uh, and then... From there on, so basically, we we sort of developed that, and it grew and grew, and e-commerce became even more of a a viable option for brands because even then it was like, well, is it a viable option or isn't it? And then I went to a fashion company called Yumi, where I I needed to I was responsible for running the e-commerce end to end from like driving um, from getting the stock from the merchandising team through to trading it on the website and then converting the consumers and post purchase as well. So customer service and CRM and all of that, uh, as well as the design of the website um, and also the digital marketing. So I, I in, in sort of inherited that side of things and, and there was a need to bring that all in house. So we brought it in house and we actually introduced social commerce, sorry, social paid social uh, on at that uh, at the retailer as well at Yumi as well, so it was it was quite a big piece of work, and that that really sort of paved the way for me to come into WaveMaker because I really got an understanding of how how media is a real you know is is critical to drive the traffic to the website to then convert, um, and so you know the things that I've learned along the way. I sort of mentioned it a little bit earlier. It's the evolution of ecom. I've been fascinated by the way it's 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 evolved. So you know, running, moving from being just a catalog of product to you know, in in in, in the Yumi days, we used to do a lot of blogs and um, articles and things to try to elevate the brand through. Uh, you know, for, through content. So there was a real understanding that we needed to do that to really drive the brand. 
but that that's sort of really taken off now in terms of you know the whole talking about the entertainment commerce and social commerce and that's that's really sort of been the, the most exciting piece for me I think in terms of um, how it's developed I think I think it's really interesting that um, your career has gone from kind of like you say starting out in a retail business as a merchandiser and, and and going on to work in in media and advertising, I think it's it's just yes, it's fascinating. And and I think, like you say, that the whole social commerce um, piece is now now booming and becoming so interesting. Um, yeah, yeah, totally. And you know, there's things ahead. Exactly. Yeah. And there's you know the, the the other thing that I um, <laughs> I'm quite it was quite funny actually because when we're thinking about quick commerce. Deliveroo and so Flink as well in Europe. There's, you know, the quick commerce evolution that took place that really quickly caught fire around COVID and it was going crazy. And we had all the, all the clients in the world saying to us, you know, we need to get onto these, uh, quick commerce sites and so on. Um, and it was, it was so bizarre because it was a strange year. I mean, it was a strange year in many ways, but that year was very strange from a quick commerce perspective because it's all sort of died down so significantly and as as predicted uh that you know many of them have been sort of um merged and what have you to 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 become just a few a few quick commerce so i think it's really fascinating in that way and then retail media of course which you know is is the the hot topic of the moment yeah and that's kind of what we are we're coming on to i guess um yeah as you say you know it's, it's a hot topic Everyone seems to be talking about it. Everyone wants to know about it. Everyone wants to, you know, be in on it. Um, so kind of in terms of retail media then, how would you describe the key opportunity or key opportunities? Um, I guess, first of all, for retailers and, and, and maybe brands as well, considering, you know, considering um, this area. Yeah, so... I mean, I think I'm going to split them in two, to be honest, because there's quite a yeah. bit there. <laughs> so from a big retailer's standpoint, yeah, big question. <laughs> um, so, you know, from a retailer standpoint, there's there's several reasons. So, you know, the retailers are, are known for selling products. That's what their, that's what their, mo- you know, their, their key reason for being is. Um, and what, what retail media op- offers them is a new revenue stream. Uh, you know, to really sort of um, monetize their their real estate, if you like, on their on their websites, because they recognize the the competitive nature of of being visible on the digital shelf. So, you know, as a brand, um, they're all jostling for for space and share of shelf. Um, and so, by monetizing their real estate, this is a it's a shoe in almost in terms of them making money out of it to to be able to you know to offer that to the brands. Um, but the other thing around that is is the, the the fact that it's so profitable for them because they they're known you know they they their products when they sell products you know and they do it on behalf of these brands. That the margin is tiny for them, right? So you know that's they, they they have to sell a lot to make something. Um, but with with uh, retail media, that the margins are typically like 50, 60, 70, 80 percent. Um, pro, you know, ma- margin. So that's huge. So that you know, for them, it's it's a really really strong 
opportunity, um, and which is why it's going crazy at the moment because everybody, you know, that in that everybody wants to um, get in on the game, if you like. And the third area is that you know that's they want to attract brands to to their site, and with with this retail media opportunity, there's the ability to provide, you know, properly closed loop marketing, which gives them visibility end to end. So that's, you know, that's the really attractive part for them. That's the third piece, I suppose, to really attract the brands onto their sites. Um, thinking about it from a brand perspective, you know, it's, it's for them, it's, it's absolutely critical. Uh, we, you know, we, it's a huge opportunity for them to target the consumers where they're at. So they're on the page already, for example, or they're on the site already and have an intent to per an intent um, to purchase. But and so you know they they really need to or want to make sure that they're front of mind. So you know having that slot that's at the top um, on the left hand side, which is the first product, or having that sponsored placement which is like a display piece or a brand um branded content at the top of the page really keeps them top of mind in terms of you know the 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 consumer and and you know being visible and potentially to conquest from other brands so you know for example if if i'm a heinz customer and you know another another baked beans brand if you like um puts puts their content at the top then and they've got an offer for example then you know might consider that and might you know try it out so that's 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 the first thing for for brands and then the second you know and what the other thing that I wanted to mention actually is that you know we I saw a I saw a stat somewhere that you know most of our well first of all most a lot of our um brands are CPG and so they're really highly interested because it is so competitive on the retailer sites and I saw a stat uh, about how you know for CPG 60% of these brands are going to be spending 30 to 40% of their total media budget on retail media so it's really serious for them and then you know another area that's really important for them and and you know this can lead to is the opportunity to create really strong partnerships with the retailers you know to be able to work better together and create you know joint business ventures and 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 um commercial agreements to unlock further opportunity so it's you know it's 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 a critical piece for the brands definitely i think that's yeah so interesting and you know those huge brand budgets that are being planned into retail media, I think is it, it's just phenomenal. And um, and obviously we've done some work on here at IAB Europe, looking at the market and and kind of how how it's going to grow. And and actually our chief economist kind of estimates that it could could de- it could reach twenty five billion euros by twenty twenty six. That's in Europe. Um, but I guess we need to think about it, you know, from from a practical perspective, in order to reach that, in order to unlock those budgets, there are obviously some challenges, some hurdles along the way that, that as an industry, we're going to need to face. Um, so kind of what, what are the kind of top challenges that you face internally, I guess, um, in this area? And, and how do you see those? How do you see those um, being overcome? So, yeah, there's, there's a lot of challenges with retail media. <laughs> um, in itself, yeah. so it's you know it's become this unwe- wheel, un- unwieldy um, 
if you like, uh, where, you know, it's, it's like the Wild West. It's been referred to so many times as the Wild West that I cannot remember, you know, I can't count them. Um, you know, there's, there's changes on a weekly and a daily basis and having to keep on top of that is, is almost impossible. Uh, we, we as an agency do communicate very tightly together and actually within Group M as the wider network to keep on top of all the changes. Like just today, Kroger have, you know, I know that's a US um, retailer, but they've just announced that they're taking in-house um, the capabilities where before it was managed by Microsoft's Promote IQ. So we, we, we just have to keep on top of it. Um, there's, there's other things that, that are challenges are things like inflationary pressures. So, you know, the reality is a website only has limited space. So it's limited inventory for, you know, from a media standpoint. And that means that when multiple, all the retail, all the brands in the world are trying to buy that, it creates an inflationary pressure, which is, which is another challenge. Um, and as, as I was saying earlier that, you know, the fact that there are so many things that are changing, there's a huge fragmentation of offer. And that, that's not just, you know, at a local market level. So, you know, um, just using, you know, the US as an example, the US is quite, quite simplistic. Not, this is totally the wrong way to say it, but they're, they're, their setup or the different opportunities for retail media there are quite, um, quite challenging from a fragmentation perspective, but it's, it's contained. When you think about Europe, it's, it's just completely splintered because we have lots of different markets with totally different retailers. And actually some of the retailers that do apply, um, operate multi, in a, at a multi-market level. For example, Carrefour in, in, you know, Central and East, um, Western Europe, they have different capabilities from a, from a retail media standpoint in the different markets. So it's, it's a challenge trying to manage that. And then that leads to challenges around things like optimization and measurement. So, you know, from, from, from an internal standpoint, we've, recognize really strongly that we need to um, identify how we're going to tackle these challenges. So we have a few things. We have frameworks in place to allow us to um, be able to deal with our clients in a more effective way when it comes to answering the eternal question of, you know, which retailers should be work- we, we be working with. Um, and also, you know, finding um, ways to tackle the budget. So, so from a, from a fragmentation perspective, we, we have a tool called Fusion, which allows us to, it's basically a repository of all the different types of retail media that exist at, uh, in different markets for different retailers. And it quickly allows us to understand what's going on in that market, um, from a retail media standpoint and what the capability is and how strong it is, um, from a, you know, finding ways to mitigate inflation that I was mentioning earlier. Um, we, we, I've been specifically working with clients around, you know, different ways to approach that. So, you know, it's very expensive to use retail media or to, um, to leverage it. So how else can we find white space? So we have, um, we've, you know, we've spoken to clients in different, um, about different, uh, approaches. So for example, using, 
different types of media, not just retail media, but views with retail media. So for example, we've got a case study, an example of where uh, one of our um, clients had, um, we, we basically correlated TV advertising with uh, the fact that consumers use the second screen, if you like, um, of the mobile phone and connected Amazon advertising with when that TV um, ad aired. And then that then led to an increased conversion. Um, and then we also have uh, a tool called Audience Galaxy, which allows us to find new audiences. So that helps us to reach different people. And that means that it's more white space and potentially less inflationary. So there's, there's, there's several ways, and I won't go into too much detail because, you know, I could talk about it forever. Um, but there's several ways, um, of, of trying to find that white space to try to mitigate that inflation. And then, you know, from a, from a budget planning perspective, we have to think about, you know, we, we, we talk to clients a lot about the fact that you can't think about it or what am I going to spend on Carrefour? Or what am I going to spend on Oshan or Tesco's or whatever? It's about thinking about this is your budget and applying the top-down approach. Um, and we use uh, goal, sort of page view goals on the retailers. So we identify which retailers we want to work with using our fusion tool. And then from there, we would identify where, uh, which, you know, which, which retailers to prioritize based on the page view goals that they should be. They, they, that they, they could achieve, I guess. Um, and then that would allow us to help portion out the budget according to which, which, uh, retailer. So these are the kinds of questions that we're, we're being asked about. And then the final thing is around, um, or another thing is around the measurement piece. And that's, that's a bit of a challenge because, you know, there's, there's various ways of, of identifying it and working on it, but it's, it's quite hard. It can be quite heavy lift sometimes to, understand or work out the the, the sort of the, the ROAS on on mm. retail media um so we've got you know well, another thing is that obviously I have to mention the fact that we've got uh, people who are on the IAB retail media council which I'm hoping is going to sort of drive forward uh, a better understanding of the the whole space because it is such a a minefield at the moment it, it's certainly our intention it's certainly our intention to yes educate the market but also um create standards where needed absolutely i think that that's the, that's the thing that that's needed right now yeah. um guardrails we we guardrails exactly yeah absolutely yeah cool okay well lots lots of challenges lots to work on so that's good um keep us busy um mm. I hear a lot about retail media enabling full funnel marketing. Um, how how do they how do retail media businesses or networks actually enable brands to activate full funnel marketing? Um, and and is this already being done? Or yeah, so so yes, yeah, so Amazon was probably the first to do it you know one of the first to do it as it always I mean obviously Amazon's been doing retail media for a, a lot longer than other retailers as yeah. such um, and it's through their DSP so off-site advertising and more and more retailers are also jumping on the bandwagon so to speak so they'll either be offering their own type of DSP 
um, or they'll be working with uh, providers to to offer, um, you know, the the uh, um, yeah, they'll be working with with uh, you know sort of retail media networks to to engage or publishers to engage and drive drive that DSP offering as well. So that's the thing about that is that it's it's it allows the brands to start the journey higher up the funnel and really sort of focus on on driving awareness. Um, and so you know we're seeing this quite a lot now, and it's it's just continuing to develop and. Um, um, you know, we're seeing more and more partnerships taking place where, you know, retailers are working with partners to enable it through, you know, for example, through, you know, the trade desk or Critio. Uh, like Critio recently launched Commerce Max, which, which works with, is, go, is going to enable in Europe, um, you know, the likes of Nocebe, uh, Rossman, Boots and Ocado, um, yeah. to, 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 to activate through the DSP. And so lots of exciting developments. How do you think, it, do you think it's going to change media planning as it currently is? And, and how do you think that will change? Yeah, I, I mean, I think the biggest, the biggest is going to change media planning, definitely. Um, so media planning, you know, from both sides, I guess, from, from, from a brand side, but also from a media agency side. So from a brand side, it's, it means taking a different approach with their media planning in terms of we've got, um, you know, typically the media planning would sit with the marketing team and um, brand and trade would be doing something different. But actually what, what we're seeing is that a lot of retail, uh, sorry, a lot of brands have, um, retail media sitting with the trade team or with the mock, um, or with the brand team. And so, so that means that actually they potentially need to work together to be able to deliver, um, you know, their strategy or what they want to do. And they need to agree it between them as well in terms of where the money is going to come from, from a budget perspective to be able to make that happen. Um, so they, they really need to, reconsider that and we're we're finding that you know quite often it's it's it is a bit of a challenge working with the brands because they they haven't necessarily ironed that out between them um so it can be a bit confusing to you know to add another layer of confusion to what is already a confusing landscape um and then from a from a from us as a media agency perspective we we would need to come we need to come together with you know the traditional media areas such as paid search and paid social uh, to work in collaboration with them to to be able to um, you know um, to be able to deliver this media uh, offering which would incorporate retail media so our, our recommendation is actually that you know from a budget perspective we should consider the the, the budget to be media because retail media from our perspective is just media and so it should come within the media budget and that doesn't necessarily mean that it comes from the marketing team at, at, of you know client side because we recognize that the budget sits in different places but that they need to agree amongst themselves what they you know how they're going to play it or potentially if it's going to become as big as it, it everyone predicts it's going to be reconsider the way they operate um, mm -hmm. to incorporate it I think, I think that's a really good 
kind of food for thought, I guess. Um, you know, consider how it currently works, how you're currently operating, and and you know, think about reconsidering. Um, because it is, you know, things are being shaken up, things are changing. Yeah, um, completely. So, so on that note, then I kind of just want to talk about, you know, what you see happening. Um, how do you see this area, retail media, commerce, landscape in Europe evolving over the next 12 months or so? Well, I mean, it's going to grow, isn't it? There, there's, you know, thinking about the fact that retailers can monetize their, their, their real estate and make lots of money from it. it it's something that they're going to start exploring. And, and you know, interestingly, I, I've even been, you know, these are retailers that sell lots of product lot, across different verticals. And for, to generally, they, they will be, you know, taking this, getting the stock from the, the brands. But we're even seeing, you know, retailers that sell mostly their own, own label thinking about selling inventory on their, um, you know, on their website. So, you know, for example, one who, um, you know, they only have like 20% uh, branded product, if you like, they're even thinking about, you know, setting it up because it's such a lucrative opportunity. So I think it's going to continue to grow. And also, you know, we're just, just trying to sort of, um, Create uh, to you know to put it into context, I guess. But you know, we the Group M this year next year report came out recently, and glo- this is a global stat, but it's pl- it's expected to be the third fastest growing channel this in this next year, and it's going to be bigger than TV, including um, connected TV by twenty twenty eight globally. So you know, I can't imagine that Europe is going to buck the trend in that in that respect um i would fully expect everybody to jump on board um but you know as i was saying earlier it's just a bit harder in europe because of all the challenges where there's many smaller retailers and they've all got different formats you know from a from a retail media standpoint and also different languages so it, it can be difficult to unpick um so i think it's going to get more complex i'm afraid to say <laughs> I think it's going to become more important. I think, um, I think that's yeah. I think it's really good to point out that you know there's some challenges to overcome. It will be complex, but it's a massive opportunity. Yeah. Um, j- just in terms of the kind of complexities and things, are there any kind of new innovations or technologies that you've seen that you're excited about in this space? Or yeah, so I. I- yeah, there's a few things actually. So, um, having sort of done, um, gone into a deep dive of the different ways of using retail media and especially, you know, working with our clients and thinking about how we can think outside the box, if you like, to try and mitigate that inflation. Um, there's, there's, you know, connected TV and digital out of home are, you know, emerging more, more so connected TV in terms of being the, the starting, you know, the top of the funnel starting point for, for that journey. Um, and, and, and I think digital out home is something that's starting to, uh, pick up as well. There's opportunities there, of, you know, from an innovation standpoint, trying to think about how to connect that digital out home to, to the retail journey. And there's several different ways of doing that, whether it's through using, um, you know, sort of hyper, 
hyper location or, um, you know, the basic QR code. <laughs> so, you know, that's, that's quite interesting. Yeah. But then, you know, recently there was this thing, this trial that one of our, um, that, that Channel 4 has done with next to 360 data. So there's, you know, there's really interesting innovation that's going on there with data uh, in terms of, you know, them using that data to then be able to target better on their, on their streaming platform. Um, and, and again, I'm afraid I'm going to refer to the US, but they are so, so sort of like, there's so many things going on over there. I think it's important to keep an eye on what's going on there. Um, there's this thing which is um, Roku TV, which is a you know a streaming platform wh- where they've actually set up their own checkout. So when the ad is shown, they have a remote control where you can use, which you can use to basically purchase on Roku TV. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was something that was introduced. Um, and I've you know having you know um, recently, I was just having a conversation with a with uh, somebody at, at Vinecast about how potentially, you know, we could look at, look, uh, finding a way to work with, uh, TV manufacturers, if you like, who we, you know, with whom we could then potentially develop code to, to then create an opportunity to, 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 you know, thinking about that Roku TV example, that's very much about Roku TV, but actually, having it so that it's just something that can be used generically. And that would mean then you could potentially shop from your TV. And as a, as a, um, I mean, you know, I'm a retailer at heart. That's what, what I am. And I want to sell stuff. So for me, that's really exciting. And, you know, that's, that's not something that's in being, that, that exists now, but that's something I would want to explore in terms of developing that further. It, yeah, it sounds fascinating. And, and I, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what's to come. And it, I, it'd be great to have this conversation with you in, in 12 or 18 months and, you know, kind of explore those those innovations and technologies yeah. where we're up to. So, so hopefully we can we can make that happen. Um, yeah, that'd be great. But we're going to finish with a li- something a little bit different, just a quick fire round. Um, so are you currently reading or watching anything that you would recommend? Um, so I am reading the latest book. Um, by uh, Michelle Obama, which is actually being quite therapeutic for me because um, it's been very busy recently at work. And so just reading that and the way that she helps, she, it's almost like a self-help manual. Um, I'm loving that. Um, and watching anything I would recommend, well, I would recommend it, but I don't think my husband would. Um, I'm watching Ozark, which he, he hates violent programs and Ozark contains some element of violence and I think I think I have the violent streak to me that I keep suppressed because um, I do watch a lot of violent things <laughs> on, on various platforms so yeah so that's, I think it's that's that, it's um, that escapism yeah. though isn't it I think sometimes. I think so it really is yeah, escapism in the real world. I mean, it yeah. makes me think actually do you know what my my life is pretty good I'm quite lucky yeah exactly puts everything into into context <laughs> yeah exactly um, and you mentioned that you are at heart a retailer. Um, what is your go-to retailer? So, I mean, I have got a couple of go-to retailers, but not because of the experience. Um, so my go-to retailer is really boring. My number one go-to retailer, and that's Ocado. Uh, 
that's the one I go to most of the time um, yeah. because I have to shop there every week. And I just, I, I do get, I am quite, um, I have limited patience, if you like. So I would, I would only use it if it had a really good user experience. And for me, Ocado does. Um, I can do the grocery shop for, for the week in 15 minutes. Yeah. Um, and, um, also my other two, two retailers that I love are, are actually direct consumer brands. Um, and that's Hush and Anthropology, but they, you know, I think they could do so much of a better job in terms of making their sites much more exciting, uh, more contentful, more entertaining, um, because actually they are just offering a catalogue of products. So I'm afraid that's probably not the answer that you want to hear. But No, it's great. I think I completely agree with you on Ocado. I, I, their app is amazing. It's so quick, so easy to buy, buy your groceries and... Um, and uh, the delivery is always very efficient. So I agree there. Yeah, um, So my last question is, if you weren't kind of doing this job, if you weren't in this career, what, what do you think you would be doing? Oh, that's really easy. Um, I'm really passionate about food. I, I joke with my family that if I had to go on to mastermind, um, my specialist subject would be food because I, I seem to know everything about food, um, all the different types of ingredients. And I've got every single type of, you know, implement in the kitchen. But I think that's partly because I worked in homeware back in the day. So, you know, but I do, I do love it. I love cooking and I love eating. And I know, and I'm not bragging here, but I know I've got a good sense of taste. Um, I've got a keen sense of smell and taste. So I think, I would always want to be, I've always wanted to be a food critic. Um, I'm a bit jealous of the race dents of this world where they get to go into a restaurant and taste the food and then give their, their view on it. That would be my ideal. It sounds like a real good that. job. Yeah, it sounds like a really good job actually being able to eat food and um, write about it and get paid for it. Um, I mean, I suppose we'd have great. to exercise as well to keep the pounds off, right? True. Yeah, <laughs> might, might need to do a bit of that in between. True. Well, Rita, it was fascinating. You've got a wealth of knowledge and um, thank you for sharing it with myself and, and our audience. Thank you very much for having me. It's been fun. Thank you for tuning in. We'll be back with a new episode very soon, so be sure to subscribe and tell anyone else who might be interested to listen in too. For more information on IOB Europe, you can visit our website at www.ieburope.eu or contact us via at IAB Europe on Twitter. Thanks for listening and stay safe.